Do you know what you're listening to? And now, ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to the Snowman in the Morning podcast. Did you not get the memo? Insanity ensues. Can't wait. This is where I have the absolute pleasure of welcoming back to the program the one, the only, David Glenn, a longtime sports radio personality, founding editor of ACCSports.com and the ACC Sports Journal, multiple-time NSMA North Carolina Sportscaster of the Year. And I have him right now. What's up, Dave? How are you? I'm doing great, Snowman. Good to be with you again. Good to be with you, man. We had a fabulous conversation Last time, and let's let's just jump right into this, we saw that Duke had to cancel their season opener with uh, Gardner-Webb, which was scheduled uh, for Wednesday due to a positive case on Gardner-Webb's team. Carol, uh, North Carolina State and William Mary was canceled for Monday night. How hard is it going to be to complete this 2020-2021 college basketball season? Well, I think in terms of completing it, to pick your word, it is going to happen mainly because the NCAA men's basketball tournament is absolutely positively essential to the financial stability of the entire organization, the NCAA. And, of course, it was canceled last year, so they can't cancel it or afford to cancel it two years in a row. Uh, But the journey to get there, from here to the end, that's where it's going to be messy. There is just no doubt about it. That Duke game is not going to be our last postponement or cancellation. There Mm -hmm. are going to be many of them. You just hope, you know, a large majority of the games do get played. But as we've seen with college football season, there are going to be a lot of hurdles, a lot of bumps along the way. Uh, And unfortunately, as college hoop season started, you know, a lot of our national trends with COVID were headed in the wrong direction. So it doesn't look like a vaccine is going to be saving us anytime soon. And that means that fans better get ready to continue to expect the unexpected when it comes to just whether games are played or not, much less the stuff we usually talk about, who's winning and who's losing and who looks like an NCAA tournament team. Well, let's look at the ACC Big Four right now with Wake Forest Carolina, NC State, and Duke. Which team are you most excited to see hit the court this week? And what's the biggest storyline to you this year in the ACC? I think Duke is the team I'm looking forward to watch the most, in part because I think the Devils have another year where their five best players are all freshmen or sophomores. And, of course, we haven't seen the freshman, with one exception, against an inferior opponent. So, it'll be, you know, Jalen Johnson just had 19 points and 19 rebounds at his Duke debut, and he is a, an all-ACC candidate, even as a freshman. D.J. Stewart, another five-star guy from Chicago in his case, he, he led the team with 24 points in the opener, nine rebounds. Uh, and there are others. Jeremy Roach, the point guard. Uh, so, Coach K, of course, he has won a national championship. Uh, well, five years ago with a team led by freshmen, but he's also had some teams that kind of collapsed late in the season uh, while leaning heavily on true freshmen. So we'll see. Uh, but the big four as a whole, Duke and Carolina, I think are going to be in that upper tier. NC State's going to kind of be in that middle tier. 
And if Steve Forbes at Wake Forest, you know, he knows he has an uphill battle. He's off to a winning start, but he just may not have enough high-end players to make it, you know, a surprising start in the longer haul once conference play rolls around. You know, and, and besides the pandemic question, that's the number one question for the ACC and everybody else this year. Can you get through a season with enough games uh, to make it feel like a season and have that NCAA tournament at the end? I'd say the other uh, subset of that is, you know, this is the league that has won the national championship a huge percentage of the time. I mean, the Atlantic Coast Conference still has UVA, which I guess you could say is the reigning national champion, right? Because there, was one, yeah. there wasn't one last year. Uh, you still have Duke and Carolina. There are multiple national championship programs. And then, you know, not too distant past, they, they added to that lineage. Uh, and then you have a handful of other pretty good teams like uh, Florida State, like a Louisville, like maybe a Syracuse this year. This is the league that has won six of the last 11 national championships, more than half six of the last 11 men's basketball NCAA titles, uh, if you're winning more than half of the time as a single conference, you are the, the king of the hill, and everybody's trying to knock you off. And So far, it looks like the ACC has contenders again, but uh, I'm not sure UVA or Duke or Carolina or anybody else has looked like you know the team to beat uh, in this 2020-21 season, and um, you know, as John Swafford, the ACC commissioner, is on his way out the door, he'd love to see more success in football and men's basketball. Uh, it's just too early to tell if that trend in hoops is going to continue. Speaking of Virginia, I stirred a hornet's nest over the Thanksgiving weekend, and I said Virginia's season was blown to smithereens after their loss to San Francisco. Are they overrated hmm. in your mind? I don't think they will be in the long run. I think, obviously, if we listed the most surprising results of the early season, uh, that one is on the short list, right? I mean, credit to Virginia Tech for surprising Villanova. Right. Uh, but shame on UVA for falling to a San Francisco team that, remember, lost itself to UMass Lowell. Not the UMass, UMass, but mm-hmm. UMass Lowell. Mm-hmm. So it's a weird, it's a weird world in a lot of ways, and, and expect the unexpected applies in the competitive sense as well. I think what's happening is that UVA, two of its best players are a Marquette transfer named Sam Hauser and a Rice University transfer named Trey Murphy the third, who's actually from Cary Academy here in North Carolina. Um, when two of your better players are new to the rotation, uh, and you said goodbye to guys like Mamadi Diakite and Braxton Key, I think there's going to be an adjustment period, uh, and I think that's what's going on with the Cavaliers. Back in September, the Greensboro Coliseum pitched the ACC to become a bubble for the regular season. They never really turned down the idea. With the dynamics in play in college basketball, where one positive COVID case can cancel an entire game or group of games. Give me your thoughts on the possibility of a bubble situation for the ACC to play in Greensboro this year. Can it work? Is it still a possibility? The clock is ticking, but I wouldn't say it's an impossibility just yet. Uh, The Big East is another conference that is still considering the bubble concept. When I saw the original dates proposed by 
you know, the, the Greensboro Coliseum and the, the folks that they were working with. November 23rd, which has already passed, of course, through January 10th, were the original dates of that proposal. And, and that didn't strike me as realistic because a lot of these guys, remember, are finishing final exams in this unorthodox year. Mm-hmm. I have two college children myself, and most of these universities ended the fall semester early, but they're still in hand-in-your-project mode, you know, take-your-final-exam mode, many of these schools, into early December. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there is that big break where the, most of these universities don't even have students back on campus until late January. So there's a window in there, but I think the window is closing. One date I would remind everybody to factor into this equation is that it's December 12th when conference play really gets underway. So when you think of that original proposal by Greensboro, November 23rd through January 10th, why not something closer to the amount of time that the NCAA tournament takes? You know, remember the proposal announced by the NCAA a while back is to have the whole NCAA tournament maybe right there in Indianapolis over the course of three full weeks. If you start after the ACC Big Ten Challenge, remember that's in the the earlier part of December, Mm -hmm. If if you start after that and say Saturday, December 12th, I think it's Syracuse and Boston College the first uh, ACC versus ACC contest. Maybe you start right there in mid-December and you end at the original proposal's ending time, which is mid-January, basically, and you have something that's about four weeks long. I, I don't think you know anybody has driven a stake through that uh, proposal yet, but if you're going to do something like that you know, here at the end of November, you really have to make a decision on it very soon. On uh, well, I think the bubble concept can work, but as you said, the clock is ticking. The clock is really, yep. really ticking, and if you want to slow down the spread of of COVID, you need to make a decision now. It should have already been made, quite honestly. Let's look at some other things here. Maryland's Len bias, the late Len bias, and I still hate mm-hmm. saying that. And North Carolina's Anton Jameson were elected to the College Basketball Hall of Fame this week. Let's start here. For the fellow who cons- who many considered to be Jordan before Jordan, why did it take so long for Len Bias to get elected into the College Basketball Hall of Fame? It's a great question, and I don't have a clean, easy answer for you. I mean, uh, I came along and started covering the ACC in 1987. Uh, but I was, you know, a young person, a teenager, who remembered just the horrible story of Len Bias's way too early death as, you know, a highly regarded NBA prospect. I don't think there was anything about his time at Maryland as a basketball player that does anything to, to negate him as a Hall of Famer. I wonder how much the weight of the Maryland scandal, you know, and his uh, his, of course, untimely death because of basically experimenting with drugs. He wasn't even a drug guy, right? But uh, in, in he was in, you know, he was celebrating something special in his world, getting to the next level, and he made a bad decision. And sometimes one really bad decision can lead to that ultimate result. So uh, I wonder if that cloud 
just just the negativity that surrounded his movement from Maryland of the ACC to the next level. I wonder if that cloud weighed him down for a while. But there's no doubt that uh, he's one of the best players I watched as a child as a fan of the ACC. Uh, and there's no doubt that both he and Antoine Jameson are absolutely deserving uh, of their recent announcement to the whole thing. Yeah, they both are very, very deserving. And I remember watching them both play. You know, I've been a fan of the ACC, I want to say since 82 or 83. You know, Ralph Sampson in Virginia, of course, Michael Jordan, James yeah. Worthy in the bunch at North Carolina, uh, Charles Shackerford, Kozel McQueen in the bunch at North Carolina State. Been a fan for a long time, and now I'm glad to be one of the few that get the opportunity to cover the Atlantic Coast Conference. Over on mm. the football side of things, Florida State has had its scheduled game canceled for the third straight week, this was announced on Sunday. They were supposed they were supposed to play Duke on Saturday. They have now moved that game to Miami versus Duke. The COVID concerns at Wake Forest, Miami, Florida State has threatened to derail the ACC season with Miami not having played since November the fourteenth. But they're seven and one overall and six and one in conference play. Was there anything different that the ACC could have done? regarding this college football season? Yes, uh, there are a handful of things, but I'll give you the one biggest thing. It was smart to require every school to test three times a week. It's not enough to test only one time a week. You just miss too many positives, and by the time you catch that positive, they've already infected too many other people. So three times a week was the right decision. The problem is, the way most schools do it, there's a test on Monday, a test on Wednesday, and a test on Friday. The problem with that approach is, given turnaround times for tests, you don't get the result of that Friday test in many cases until either late Friday night or early Saturday morning, meaning game day. And in the case of Clemson's trip to Florida State, where those two coaches started you know, basically a public spat with one another, and those two medical staffs could not see eye-to-eye on what went wrong. In that case, Clemson's one positive, remember, was not found until the whole Clemson team was already in Tallahassee, Florida. And in the case of UVA, FSU, Florida State had only one positive. But that positive was not detected until UVA was already physically in Tallahassee. That's a waste of time, a waste of the hundreds of thousands of dollars in travel expenses If the three times a week testing was, say, Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday, then you would get that Thursday test on Friday. And in most cases, almost all that I'm aware of, that's before you get on the bus to go to the airport to travel for that Saturday game. Right. Right. No system is perfect. But that Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday system, which other leagues do use, by the way, seems a lot more logical to me. The downside is you're not testing as close to the game, so you might miss somebody. Mm -hmm. But, of course, the upside is obvious. You you know, uh, there are some schools that actually don't even leave for the airport until they get the results of those Friday morning tests. Right. Um, But not every school does it that way, and that's why we've ended up with some of these last-second cancellations. Yeah. This has been a weird pandemic season to say to to say the least and as you said my friend no system is perfect but the ACC you have to count them as the spearhead of getting the college football season going 
I don't think it'll be de- I don't think it'll be derailed. They'll be able to get some of these games in within within the window, and some of those will be on top of the uh, college basketball games. We'll just have to see how everything plays out. That's David Glenn, the longtime sports radio personality and one of my good friends. Follow him on Twitter at David Glenn Show. That's at David Glenn Show for all of all of his happenings. It's a joy to have you back on, my friend. Great to be with you, Snowman. Keep up the good work and a belated happy Thanksgiving to you and your listeners. Thank you, my friend. Appreciate it. Same to you and let's 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 continue to push through this ACC season. Anytime. Stay healthy. Insanity ensues. Did you not get the memo? You're listening to the Snowman in the Morning podcast. Can't wait. Lamar Jackson. I talked about this on Friday, and I want to expand a little bit of it right now. And I'm going to work a couple of other names in there, but I'm going to put up a thesis statement I'm going to put out a thesis statement and a lot of people are not going to like what I am about to say and what I'm about to say (laughs) and what I'm about to say is this and a shout to my buddy Robert Cobb the man in charge of the inscriber magazine who did an article on this We have seen the peak of Lamar Jackson. Oh, y'all didn't hear me. Let me say it again. We have seen the peak of one Lamar Jackson. And let me pose a question. What did he do last year to earn a unanimous Most Valuable Player Award? What did he do that Patrick Mahomes didn't do? I have two perspectives on this. One, in the minds of the voters, he wowed them with his legs. All of the running plays, the explosive running plays. Kind of sounds like Colin Kaepernick, doesn't it? From my mind, not a damn thing. We saw it at Louisville, and we've seen it in Baltimore. He didn't do a damn thing better than Patrick Mahomes, and the only reason I believe Patrick Mahomes didn't get the MVP is because he missed a few games with an injury. And he couldn't, uh, well, to, for lack of a better term, pad the stats. I think that's the exact reason Lamar Jackson got the unanimous MVP. Because Patrick Holmes, according to the voters, didn't have enough to go on. But you've seen Patrick Mahomes already. Mahomes is already an MVP. He should have been a two-time MVP. But with Lamar Jackson, you see the same thing. If he doesn't see what he likes, he takes off and runs. I've had a chance to study Lamar Jackson's throwing motion. And I'll give you two names right now who it reminds me of who never corrected their throwing motion and will never see the light of day in the NFL again. Colin Kaepernick, Vince Young. Want to go a little further? How about Michael Vick? Same problem. RG3, who's probably going to start tomorrow night against Pittsburgh. Same problem. Great plays running, bad plays throwing. I mean, after RG3 won Rookie of the Year, what the hell did he, aside of the injury, what the hell did he do? He kept getting injured, and he was never able to advance his game. 
Lamar Jackson is in the same boat. He hasn't been able to advance his game. It has stalled. It has stalemated. And to a point, it's regressed. And I hate saying this about a young talent who could lead the Baltimore Ravens into the future. And I say could lead the Baltimore Ravens into the future if and only if he redefines his game. He makes it better. He shows defenses a throwing threat instead of only a running threat. Because if you show them only a running threat, the problem with that is teams are going to figure, figure you out. Colin Kaepernick, hello. I mean, Colin Kaepernick has had a couple games where he threw for almost 400 yards. Don't get it twisted. The, the arm is there with, with, with Kaepernick, but at the same time, the same problem with Kaepernick is the same with Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson, and I'll, I'll give you a second problem that I see familiarity between Lamar Jackson and Colin Kaepernick. The problem is this. As time went on, they couldn't read defenses to save their life. That's why Lamar Jackson's been running all the time. That's the exact reason why Lamar Jackson has been running most of the time since his MVP season. Because in my eyes, he can't read a defense, part one. Part two, he holds the ball entirely too long, so he can't throw it away and not take a sack. And thirdly, and most importantly, he's been found out. He's been figured out. Those are the three biggest problems with Lamar Jackson. In contrast, Patrick Mahomes has evolved. Can he run? He sure can. Does he run all the time? No. He's got a rocket arm. He can throw it at the weirdest arm angles you've ever seen. And he's accurate. Big difference between Patrick Mahomes and some of the other quarterbacks I've named during this segment. Mahomes is accurate. And he's going to continue to be accurate. He's going to continue to evolve. See, let me say that word again. He's going to continue to evolve. And as long as he continues to evolve, like, oh, I don't know, a quarterback by the name of, hmm, let's see, he wore number eight, he played in the USFL, played at BYU, Drafted by Tampa Bay. Rescued by San Francisco and Bill Walsh. A three-time Super Bowl champ. Oh, yeah, Steve Young. Steve Young went through the same thing. And Young figured it out. Just as Patrick Mahomes has figured it out. You know why they figured it out? Because they knew and their coaches got to them that they had to evolve. And unfortunately, Lamar Jackson has not, simply put.
Insanity ensues. Hey, this promises to be fun. You're listening to the Snowman in the Morning podcast. <laughs> Can't wait. Jay Spivey has partnered with SportsCarolinaMonthly.com to bring you SCM Plus, a subscription service where you can get inside info weekly on your favorite teams and players here in North Carolina. Subscribe for only $4 a month at SportsCarolinaMonthly.com. And Jay Spivey is hereby welcome to the show right now. What's going on, Jay? Good to talk to you, brother. How you doing, Brian? All right. Let's get to the NFL. Let's start off in Charlotte. What were your thoughts? And I hate bringing this up because I went off on Monday morning, but what were your thoughts on the Panthers' collapse in the fourth quarter versus the Vikings on Sunday? Hey, you know, I, I know you're upset. I'm sure a lot of other people are upset. They're, you know, they're just not ready yet. They just don't have the talent to kind of compete with a lot of the upper echelon teams right now. Yeah. So, I mean, it just comes down, it comes down to a talent thing, and then – you know, if you, I mean, I mean, but you're right. I mean, they should have closed out when they had the chance and shouldn't have let the Vikings score on that last drive. I mean, you basically got 90 some yards and you allow them to do that. And the Vikings are kind of hamstrung themselves. And if you think about it, they shouldn't have let them score on the last two drives because the last two drives looked like Kirk Cousins just sat in the pocket and picked them apart. You're absolutely right. It, that's what happens. I, I see this over and over and over over the years I've watched football at all levels. You know, they get teams get really conservative in the fourth quarter, both offensively and defensively, and you pay the price for it in the long run. Yeah, and the Panthers really paid for it with a game, thanks to Jeremy Chin, where they had a two-score lead that they should have they should have put away. But like you said, there's not enough talent on the Panthers roster as of yet, and plus the offense bogged down again. Absolutely. I mean, Matt Rule is supposedly this genius, and he may very well be at the pro level. We haven't seen it yet. And, no. You know, he just needs to get his own players in there at some point. Yeah. you got to get got to get some players in there, and they got to close some of these games. This one against the Vikings, then you got the one against the Bears where they should have come all the way back and won, even though the Bears' defense was beating them up. In the future, I know they're going to close these games, but I look at Minnesota as the game that not only got away, but the game that they should have closed by the end of the third quarter. Absolutely. I I couldn't agree with you more. It's just, you know, if they want to compete in this division, and right now this division is one of the best divisions in in, in the NFL, Mm -hmm. they're going to have to compete at a much higher level. Yeah. They're they're going to have to because you're going to see New Orleans you're going to see New Orleans again and I'm talking down the line here you're going to see Tampa Bay again and you're going to see Atlanta again and who knows the quarterback situations going forward but you got to see these teams again and you got to be ready for them. Everybody you know yeah everybody was talking about the Falcons were going to get killed by the Raiders yesterday and the Falcons the Falcons killed the Raiders they I mean, beat them a up much better team than they were a month ago yeah absolutely that Atlanta game against um the the Panthers should should have been closed at 4 and 8 on a bye would you bring back Christian McCaffrey to play against the Packers in 2 weeks if he's healthy probably so i mean they still there's still a month left in the season for the Panthers four games left and if he's healthy why not if, if he's not you might as well just shut him down for the year yeah and, and you want to make the best decision they're not going to make the playoffs no 
They're not. And you want to make the best decision for McCaffrey because he is the face of the franchise going forward. And speaking of faces of the franchise, two quarterbacks that are struggling right now, Cam Newton of the Patriots, Tom Brady of the Buccaneers. Is it a wrap for both quarterbacks after seeing them play this year? I'm leaning towards yes. Oh, I hate to say, I hate to say yes. I mean, but Cam has just, I don't know, he's just like, he seems kind of shell-shocked in a, in a mm-hmm. way. And I, I, he's, I, think he's just, I think he's just been so beaten up over the years by, you know, you know yep. he's such a big guy and he's obviously going to run the ball. and You know, that people just are going to, or, or have crushed him over the last 10 years. So hopefully he can kind of bounce back, but he, he, he just looks shell-shocked. And Brady, just to me, he can't throw the deep ball right now. Mm-hmm. He's having enough time, or he's just too old, or what. But he's struggling mightily, and yep. so, are the, so is the team. And I don't know if Coach Arians with, with the Bucks has, has equipped him properly, and they definitely have the talent. Yeah, I just don't know if they have the right offensive scheme for what Brady's used to. And that's the point. That is the point. You saw it against New Orleans twice. You saw it on you, you saw it on Sunday against Kansas City, and Kansas City has the correct weapons and the correct quarterback. Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes, but with running quarterbacks, and I made this assertion on Friday, Lamar Jack with uh, Lamar Jackson, Cam Newton at points in time, Russell Wilson. Colin Kaepernick back in 2012, um, Robert Griffin III. Once they get figured out, they don't have anything to lean on. The difference being with Mahomes and to the other side of that coin, Russell Wilson, they figure out when to run so they don't take as, mm-hmm. don't yeah. take as many hits. But Russell Wilson lately, lately, and I'm talking to the past four or five years, has taken a ton of hits because they don't have a running game to lean on. Well, one thing I will push back on that a little bit is that Russell Wilson knows how to, you know, he does take more hits than he used to. He knows how to avoid hits and he knows yep. how to slide better than any quarterback out there because of his baseball. Yes. Yes. That I'll give you, that I'll give you with Russell Wilson, but the, but, but the others, you would think, you would think they would, they would, they would learn to slide and going back to Cam Newton, as much as he's been beat up, over the past eight seasons, it just hasn't been paying off in New England. It hasn't. I, and I, I don't know that he'll be in New England next year anyway. I mean, if, if it, there's probably going to be a handful of quarterbacks going to other other teams next year. Mm-hmm. So I would imagine that the Patriots will probably go another direction. Unless he – and Amy, he might play well in the next four or five games. You, just, you don't know. Yeah. And, and Belichick might say, well, I'll take him back. But I doubt he'll be back unless something changes. Let me throw another quarterback name at you who may be on the move. Matthew Stafford. Do you think he moves next year? It's quite, it could be, depending on, you know, as you well know, they just fired their, their coach and GM over mm-hmm. the weekend. So and they, they might choose to go another direction. And, you know, he's making a fair amount of money by, by quarterback standards. But, you know, you can recoup that eventually. Yeah. Um, so he might, he might do that. And the, Stafford has been a he's been kind of that like you say that the face of the franchise and the franchise is just a disaster right now. So yeah. They might, if they can get get Chin traded and you know get another quarterback or get another quarterback through the draft because this this draft is going to be loaded with quarterbacks. Yeah, it is. Uh, so if they if they can go that way and get a quarterback in the draft, they might do that. 
Jay Spivey joining me here on the program. Follow him on Twitter at Jay Spivey WSJ. Let me throw a bonus question at you in, ter- in terms of quarterbacks. And I posed this to a couple of others, and some have some have caught on to where to where I'm going with this. Have we seen the peak of Lamar Jackson? Uh, we might have, unless he can develop a passing game better. You 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 very well might be right because he has he's kind of regressed this year a little bit. And I yep. think the Ravens have regressed because of that. Yeah. You lean, and, and I, I'll make this comparison. Who's his offensive coordinator? Greg Roman. Who was Colin Kaepernick's offensive coordinator? Greg Roman. They, they right. designed the RPOs around their running, but didn't incorporate their passing. And that's why I make the assertion that I make that with Kaepernick and with uh, Cam Newton and with Lamar Jackson, who was a unanimous MVP, by the way, they've regressed. Because they cannot throw the ball more to the point, fundamentally, they can't throw the ball correctly. You see the ball come out of their hands. Yeah, I agree with that. If you kind of harken back a little bit more, you know, the guy who's probably going to end up, I guess he's going up starting for the Ravens if they if they play on Wednesday night since it's been postponed again. Yep. The Steelers. You're looking at Robert Griffin III, and he's kind of the same way. He regressed after yep. those first couple of years, and he hadn't been the same since. And obviously, he's not going to get any better now at, nope. at his age. No, he, he's so you, not. So you kind of look at him and kind of compare him to some of the, some of the quarterbacks that are of, of this generation, and you wonder if those guys are going to get better and, and improve. But yeah. Lamar Jackson has not been the same quarterback he was last year. No, and he won the MVP with his legs. He didn't win the MVP with his arm. Because Tennessee came into Baltimore and pulverized him. They made him throw the they ball. Sure did, they they came into Baltimore and pulverized him. They made him throw the ball more uncomfortably than I've seen any other team force him to throw the ball. And I think everybody's kind of used that as a blueprint for how to play against the Ravens all year this year. Yeah, they they have, and it's paid it's paid off. Baltimore six and four coming in coming into what is now a Wednesday night game. With the with the Pittsburgh Steelers and a weird situation has been going around all year, <clears throat> the NFL basically forced Denver to play a game without any health, healthy quarterbacks due to the COVID protocols. Meanwhile, big old outbreak going on in Baltimore, where more players have been added to the COVID list. And with the Steelers and Ravens, as you just mentioned, being moved to Wednesday night, should they should they play this game at all? I, they're gonna have to play it at some point unless they come to I, Wednesday might be the breaking point. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I mean, if they can't, if it has to get has to get postponed again, I don't know what they're gonna do. I mean, but the Ravens have just been crushed by COVID yes. in the last week or so, and I believe the, I believe last I checked, they had eighteen guys on the COVID list. It's up to twenty three now. That, that's hard to recruit. It, it is. It's hard to replace twenty three players that have been placed on on the COVID list for Baltimore. So aside of their their play on the field, they got a lot more problems to deal with. And going back, the, the Steelers, the, the Steelers, the Steelers have been punished because of this too. Yes, and they got yes, they, they had to move their Titans game earlier in the year, and and they had to eliminate their bye week because of that, and they've had to move this game now at least three times. Mm-hmm. So uh, I mean, for, for a team that's now ten and zero, I mean. It, They've gone through a lot. They have. 
They have gone through a lot. They lost one. They lost one game. They had to move. They lost their bye week. So you wonder how healthy they're going to be come January. And I'm talking about mid-January. And then this one gets moved twice. So their prep has changed because. And thank God for Pittsburgh, it's a home game. But their prep has changed because they've had to move this game now three different times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they uh, they end up. He and uh, uh, Coach Tomlin ended up giving them last Thursday, Thursday and Friday off after they made the announcement that they were going to play on Thursday. Yeah. So it kind of gave them a little extended, little extended Thanksgiving break off. Yeah, it did. Jay Spivey joining me here on the program. Speaking of a team that's been affected by COVID, <clears throat> that te- one of those teams is my beloved San Francisco 49ers. They've been affected by the Santa Clara County placing new COVID restrictions that put a three-week halt on all contact sports within county lines. And, of course, Levi Stadium is in Santa Clara. The 49ers practice at their facility in, in Santa Clara. Let's just be flat out. Are we going to complete this NFL season? Are we going to make it to Tampa for a Super Bowl? I think we are. Uh, if it, you know, I heard this a while ago that if if we can get to the playoffs and we get, especially get to the conference championships and the Super Bowl, I think the NFL is going to have to adopt a, a, some sort of a bubble yes. to get these guys in in a hotel or or some sort of a whatever, some sort of a place where you know these guys aren't going out in public on a regular basis. Yeah. And, just get this in there like like the NBA and NHL did during the playoffs. Yeah. Have to do that once the playoffs yeah. yeah, and and the same way Major League Baseball did as well when they got to the playoffs and they played the World Series at a at a yeah. neutral site. Right. You know, and they and they adopted that. Which when which I am I, I'm I'm very thankful being the big baseball fan that it almost went off without a hitch. We know the Justin Turner situation as well. With the 49ers picking up a big victory on Sunday, now they have to go to Arizona to play their next two games. How is this going to affect them? I don't think it really will affect them. Uh, and with, I mean, it's not that big of a deal right now because then most stadiums aren't having many fans of any anyway. So, right. other, and it's not that long of a trip from San Francisco to Phoenix. So, I don't think that'll affect them much. And they play there every year anyway when they play the Cardinals. This so is true. I don't think it'll be that much of a difference. Yeah, this is true. This is true. And they have to see Arizona at the end of the season anyway. But the only game they haven't decided on is their game on January 3rd against Seattle. And the weirdest thing of all, after their win on Sunday, they're still right there in the playoff race. They are. Everybody kind of has kind of come back to the pack in the the NFC West. And somehow they've managed managed the storm without a quarterback. And half the team seems like they've been hurt all year. And it's, it's amazing what they've been able to accomplish with. Basically, half the roster they had last year in the, in the Super Bowl. Yeah, that's that that's true. All the injuries they've had to deal with, the the COVID list they've had to deal with, and now they have to move out of Santa Clara County at least for the next three weeks. Can they sneak in? I think they can. I think they can get that seven seed and sneak into the playoffs, or possibly an eighth seed should the NFL um, adopt that, and they can put that sure. into motion very quickly. But with the big win with the 49ers against the Rams, they would have to. It would have to involve basically winning out. I think they can get in. I think they can too. They're going to probably have to win probably at least four of the next five in order to get in. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's certainly doable. But you know, 
I, I'm a, you know, I'm a 49ers fan myself too. I, I'm amazed they've been able to do what they've been able to do with. Yeah, man. Totally depleted as they have been about so many injuries. Yeah, man. I'm, I am so thrilled about what the Niners have been have been able to do, and I, I, I talked about this yesterday. Final point. I talked about this yesterday. We all leave Jimmy Garoppolo alone, please. He's been injured. He's still coming okay. off of an ACL. He turned both of his. He's had a high ankle sprain and both and both ankles, and everybody wants to call for his head. And they're just wipe and glossing over the fact that he nearly threw for four thousand yards last year. Let him get healthy and leave him alone, please. I still think I, I don't think it, and I believe he can guide this team to. And I'm putting this out there, Los Angeles next year. Just leave him alone and let him be him. I agree. I mean, he's he's not the the elite of the elite NFL quarterbacks, but no. he's certainly a, a, a better than average quarterback, and he's proved last year that he can take the team to the Super Bowl. And I and he just has to be healthy, okay? Yes, there's an injury history right. with him, but let him heal. Let let him get healthy because I guarantee you, once he gets healthy, you're going to see the the Garoppolo that everyone saw in 2019 that that according to the populace came out of nowhere. Just just wait until everybody gets healthy. I agree. Especially with Debo Samuel. They're going to fix that offensive line. I just believe in this team. And they're going to be the class of the NFC for a while. I mean, if, if they're healthy and they you know, bring back the majority of the roster they lost. I mean, I heard this a couple weeks ago when they played Green Bay. I mean, they had nobody on offense who played in the Super Bowl, who touched the ball. Mm-hmm. And who played in that Green Bay game on Thursday night, of, you know, three or four weeks ago? Yep. Nobody. And they're still managed. To, they're five and six right now. That's remarkable. It is remarkable. It it is remarkable. It's going to be a remarkable finish for for the Forty ers They got one on Sunday. Let's see what they can do against Buffalo coming up. That's Jay Spivey joining me here, talking all things NFL. Follow him on Twitter at Jay Spivey WSJ. A fellow Forty er fan. Thank you, Jay. Appreciate the time. Thank you, Brian. You've been listening to the Snowman in the Morning podcast. Do you believe it? Are you kidding me? I think I just broke my chair. For more information, log on to snowmandigitalmedia.com or download this podcast wherever you get your favorite podcast. And we'll see you tomorrow night. Can't wait. (laughs) 